Blog Talk Radio. Mr. Pop. The views and opinions of this show do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of this network and its affiliates.
when we started here, the tagline of the show was the revolution in radio. And you guys that are listening, you guys are the revolution. It's not us. It's you. So we want to get your opinions out there. Um, we just kind of facilitate the issue and try, try to throw topics out there that uh, we think you want to talk about. So later on in the program, we will get to the NFL. We're going to, you know, we're getting to that time of year where, um, everything, you know, everything is coming down to the playoffs, scheduling matters. We'll break down all the playoffs. Uh, we'll go playoff one through eight, uh, one through six, talk about who's going to get into the playoffs, um, from each conference. Then we will, uh, also tell you who the contenders are. Uh, we'll, we'll look, take a look at the schedule ahead and tell you, you know, who's in the best position. So that's, that's the plan for later on in the program. For right now, we uh, we're gonna jump. We're gonna start the show with uh, a little college football, and um, we're we're dealing with the bowl season. And bowl season is the best season. So we've got the Frisco Bowl going on right now. San Diego State uh, versus Ohio in the Frisco Bowl down in Texas, the DXL. Frisco Bowls, so we got that going on. It's been, it's, you know, it's been, we started the bowl season on Saturday, and it really hasn't been an exciting bowl season. Um, the games have been um, quite blowouts. I mean, we had, uh, we'll just recap a little bit of the bowl season for you. We had the Celebration Bowl kicking things off, um, which had North Carolina uh, North Carolina A&T uh, winning the Celebration Bowl. So that got us kicked off. And then we had the Las Vegas Bowl, which Fresno State uh, played Arizona State. Again, the only reason to watch that game was uh, Nikhil Harry and Arizona State. And, of course, Herm Edwards, who we love on the show. So, um, unfortunately, Fresno State pretty much rolled Arizona. It was... Uh, it was a contest in the first half. First half tied at the first half, but Fresno State came out, showed they were the be- they were the better team going in, and they proved it in the second half. Tulane beat up on Louisiana um, Lafayette, the the raging Cajuns down there uh, in in the Auto Nation Cure Bowl. Um, Tulane pretty much ran the show from the beginning, jumped on them early, and that was the end of that chapter. Utah State played North Texas in the New Mexico Bowl. Um, so, and that was, again, another uh, Utah State just showing that they were the better team. They came right out of the gate, whooped them, got up big in the second half, in the second quarter, and that game was pretty much over by halftime. Um, the only game I'll save I'll save the next one because it was the only one that was actually, you know, um, interesting. But you know, uh, but we'll go we'll go down we'll go to the New Orleans Bowl, which saw Appalachian State beat Middle Tennessee. Um, Appalachian State again came in the better team. They proved they were the better team, and that was the end of that chapter. Uh, so and then last night we had. Uh, UAB, which we're going to get into in a minute, but um, UAB beating Northern 
Northern Illinois in the Boca Raton Bowl. So uh, they they pretty much did the same thing everybody else. They jumped on Northern Illinois from the start and got to their 11th win, which is important and which is an important uh, thing when we have our next discussion. But we'll get into that. But I want to talk about the Camilla Bowl. The Camilla Bowl was the, it is the only bowl game that's been really exciting so far. Um, Georgia Southern and Eastern Michigan came down to a uh, last-second 40-yard field goal. Um, Georgia Southern hit field goal. They win 23-21. It was the best. It was the close. It was the closest of all the games. So now we've got the uh, now we've got the fresh the the Frisco Bowl going on. So um, San Diego State and Ohio um, just kicked off. San Diego State's got the ball, so that's where we stand in the bowl season. All right, I want to open the show today with an interesting topic because. This and this is a very fluent situation right now. There is a very interesting situation going on down in Georgia. And if you don't know, Georgia, Georgia did a great job recruiting last year. Somehow, we we talked about recruiting on this show earlier uh, earlier in the year. I told you I don't look at recruiting. I don't care. I don't care. You know today. It's interesting we have the show today because today was the first day of early signing. Um, you know, a lot of the recruits already signed up. Alabama just signed 22 guys to their uh, to their team. I believe every team gets 25 slots. So Alabama pretty much getting all their guys in. And why not? If Alabama comes offering you a con- uh you know, a scholarship to play, why wouldn't you sign with that? I mean, why wouldn't anybody sign with Alabama and go play for a team that is always in the national championship hunt and is pretty much the premier program right now, especially for sending multiple positions to the NFL draft. So it it, it makes sense that they got twenty two of their twenty two of the guys they offered scholarships to 22 of them signed today, and it, it, it makes sense. It just makes sense. But, again, it's early. These kids, they can decommit and go and test the waters somewhere else. But for right now, Alabama seems to be pretty set in their uh, recruiting going forward. But like I said, I don't care about that right now. I don't look at it and say, ooh, this guy got the number one quarterback out there. Blah, 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 blah. blah. It's, it's all fluff. You know, these are high school kids. We have no idea what they're going to be like in – I mean, we don't know what they're going to be like next year. We don't know what they're going to be like in two years when they actually are impact players. I mean, I know we've seen true freshmen this season come in and be impact players, but that's that's just not, not the norm. Most of these kids that are coming in this year – are either going to be spot players next year or even redshirt, and we won't see them till the following season. So I don't look at the recruiting that way. However, the reason we bring this up is because the backup quarterback at Georgia, Justin Reed, 
who everybody said was the second best quarterback in in the recruiting class. He signed with Georgia. And at the time, I said it on this show, I said that is the most interesting signing because Justin Reed has to know he's behind a true freshman quarterback already. He's already behind a kid who already has the job, and that was Jake Fromm at the time. Jake Fromm did nothing this year to relinquish that position. I mean, and and that's on Justin Reed. Justin Reed knew he watched Jake Fromm lead Georgia to a lead in the national championship game. The last time Jake Fromm had the football in in the overtime in the national championship game, Jake Fromm left the field with the lead. He had the national championship trophy ready to be hoisted, ready to hoist up the national championship trophy. Georgia was not going to dump Jake Fromm and say, you know what, you led us to the national championship game, you gave us the lead. Well, we got this kid. We're we got this freshman kid. We're 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 going to put him in for you. That was never going to happen. So why Justin Reed thought I'm going to go to Georgia and make a difference didn't make any sense at the time. And Justin Reed is starting to be, to figure that out because he has said he is looking into transferring, which got everybody uh, everybody. Oh, why would he transfer? Why would he, why would he stay? This is a kid. He's going to sit behind Jake Fromm. This, he's going to sit behind Jake Fromm next year, hope that Jake Fromm goes to the NFL draft. But if Jake Fromm decides, you know what, I'm not ready for the NFL, or, you know, I, I can improve my draft stock if I stay in college, if Jake Fromm stays, he could be sitting for two years. Then he only gets one year of starting, of starting quarterback play. That was never going to work for Justin Reed. It was, it's never going to work. If he stays in Georgia, it's never going to work. He's either going to have to change positions, or he's just going to be a spot guy and have one year and have one year of of tape under his belt. And Justin Reed is an NFL type player. He can play in the NFL. He can make himself NFL property if he has a couple good years under his belt. That's how much talent he has. So to sit there and to be a guy, you know, for, for just three, it just makes total sense to transfer. And obviously, now if he transfers, he has to sit out a year because he is a true freshman. He's okay to do that. He can sit out, redshirt next year, and then go somewhere where he could start. So, Justin Reed, I, I, I was thinking about this today when I wanted to bring this topic up. Where would be a good fit for Justin Reed? Now, the interesting, an interesting move would be if Justin Reed went to Alabama. It would make perfect sense. Go to Alabama. You're gonna, you have to redshirt anyway because you're a transfer. You redshirt, sit behind Tua. Tua is going to leave for the NFL draft. That is going to happen. Uh, Tua is going to be the number one pick in the draft in 2020. So there is no reason why he is going to come back to school. There's no reason he's going to go back to, you know, finish, play three years at Alabama. He's going to play 
He's going to play next year and declare for the NFL draft as soon as the tide are done next year. He's going to be in there, and he's going to be drafted. Basically, there's going to be no debate over who the number one pick is. It's going to be uh, Tua, and oh yeah, I don't pronounce his last name, but not even worth trying. Um, but Justin Reed could go there, could go to Alabama, redshirt behind Tua, and then boom, slide right into the starting position, starting for Alabama. They don't lose a step. That would be an interesting thing. I don't know if that's possible. I don't think it is. I think if you transfer from an SEC school, you cannot sign with another SEC school unless unless the unless the um, unless the school approves it. So Georgia would have to approve him going to uh, Alabama, which I know Kirby Smart worked for Nick Saban. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure Kirby Smart is not going to make that decision, is not going to allow that to happen. Um, so I think he has to find another situation. To me, the best situation to go to is probably, I, I don't know the roster that well of the Oklahoma Sooners, but if Lincoln Riley stays there, if Lincoln Riley does not move on to the NFL, why wouldn't you go to Oklahoma? I mean, Kyler Murray just won the Heisman. Uh, Baker Mayfield won the Heisman before that. You know Kyler Murray's leaving. Kyler Murray's going to play baseball next year because he's already drafted and signed with the Oakland Athletics. So, Kyler, so you know Kyler Murray's not going to be there. So, you know you can go in there. They're probably going to have uh, either somebody from the, either somebody from the, the roster now or a transfer guy come in, you know, a junior college guy come in. That's not going to be a long-term answer. So you could sit there, red shirt. You get to play in Oklahoma. You get to play with Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley can use your talents. You can see it. You know he can use talents at quarterback. Plus, you get to dominate. Big 12 defenses, which we all know, running running theory on this show, is the Big 12, where defense is optional. Justin Reed can go there, put up big numbers, probably win a Heisman because of the numbers he's going to put up. And that's, that's what I would tell him. I would tell him to go to any Big 12 school, any school in the Big 12. He could go to Oklahoma State, be with Mike Gunning. You know Mike Gunning knows how to how to work a quarterback, how to use a quarterback. Um, you could go to Texas. You could go to any one of these big time Big Twelve schools. You know he the if he wanted to make the biggest impact of all, you know if he didn't just want to be another number, go to Iowa State. And I know we talk about Iowa a lot on this show. We even talk about the department store in Ames, Iowa, the where uh, the Cyclones play. Why wouldn't you go there with um, Matt Hip with? I think it means Matt. I gotta get it. His name is escaping me. Yeah, Matt Campbell. The uh, Matt Campbell, the Iowa State head coach, he's been a hot 
a hot guy to take other jobs. Other other prestigious universities have been coming after him because of what he can do offensively. Would you go? Would you go to Iowa State and try to try to be, you know, try to make Iowa State a Big Twelve powerhouse? Right? It, it, it's a situation. It, they have Iowa State does have a freshman, a true freshman that started this year, so it kind of be the same position Justin Reed was in, but it's um, not exactly the worst thing in the world for, um, you know, it, it's not entirely impossible for Justin Reed to be the starter at Iowa State at some point. Um, but it would just be interesting because you know Matt Campbell can use, can use the quarterback well. He can, um, you know, he's a, he's a hot head, he's a hot head coaching uh, prospect right now. So I, I I don't see why he wouldn't be able to uh, I wouldn't see why he would not want to go there um, and yeah the freshman quarterback Brock Purdy has put up good numbers but at the same time he he's not Justin Reed he does not have you know Justin Reed has the skills to beat him out so I I would say I would. I would tell him, if Justin Reed is really looking to transfer, you want to make the biggest impact, go to the Big 12. Go to the Big 12 where you can do a lot of damage. Um, but but it's just interesting that Justin Reed is deciding to transfer. I mean, we told, we, could have, we told you this was going to happen at the beginning of the season, that Justin Reed signing there was a ridiculous idea to begin with. So... It was just interesting that now he decides he wants, you know, he decides he's thinking about transferring. Um, it'll be interesting. All right. So let's go to what? So, all right. That's the breaking news of the college football season so far of the bowl season. That's the biggest story. The biggest story. That's what we're. Uh, that's what we're doing. That that's how we're uh, opening the show here. Again, if you want to get in, you want to, you want to comment on this story or bring up any other story. Again, call the hotline six four six 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 eight eight four six seven. We'll put you right on through. We'll stop what we're doing and uh, and go right to your phone call. So. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't wait for us to bring up your story. You can call in anytime, and we'll uh, we'll we'll shift around what we're doing. We'll 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 mold the show around you. That that's what we try to do here. So anyway, let's move on to a story that really gets me fired up, and I, I'm I'm going to get into this. We're gonna do we're gonna do some college football awards. Um, that'll be the next segment that we do after we talk about this one. But a, an award came out this week. I believe it came out on Sunday. On Sunday it was announced. On Sunday it was leaked, and on Monday it was announced that Brian Kelly would be, was the AP Coach of the Year. 
I do not. I, we talked last week about the Heisman Trophy vote and how ill-informed the a, the AP and the Heisman voters were. How they got this wrong, I do not understand. I cannot figure this out. And again, hit the hotline if you can figure it out. If you know the reason why the AP decided to go this route, I would love to hear. I would love to hear how they came to this decision. This was by far, it, it was either complete incompetence or it was a a targeted um, a targeted decision. Those are the only two options. It, it it wasn't in the middle. It wasn't. It's not in the middle of that. It's not like, well, maybe we could get no. It's either complete incompetence that they did not recognize this, or it's a vendetta that we're you know a vendetta against against the group of five. And I'll get I'll I'll start off with the AP chose Brian Kelly. They released their nominee their nominees. They narrowed their list down to the top three. They said these are the top three in the running for coach of the year. They had Nick Saban, Brian Kelly, and Josh Heupel. Now, I'm going to take the first one, and I'm going to shock a few people here because I know people that have been listening to this program all year long since week one have heard me tell you You've heard me tell you about about UCF and about how all oh, the media doesn't give them respect. Well, they finally gave Josh Heupel a little bit. They threw Josh Heupel a little bit of a bone. But Josh Heupel, are you kidding me? Josh Heupel for Coach of the Year? He took a he took over a team that went undefeated last year and got them to go undefeated again this year. He didn't do much. The structure was already in place. Josh Heifel just kept the training moving. He just didn't stop the training. That's all he did. That's not a co- that's not a coaching job of the year. That was just I took over a team that was ready to go. They had the infrastructure. They had the leadership. They had the guys there that could that could keep going. That could keep it going, and they did. Great job, great job by Josh Heifel. He did a great job of not screwing it up. Speaking of not screwing it up, let's go to the other candidate, Nick Saban. He took over. It, Nick Saban was Alabama's coach last year. Last time I checked, they won the national championship. He took that team and got them back into the college football playoff. That's what he's supposed to do. That's what Nick Saban's supposed to do. It's not like it, I mean Alabama has the best players. They have the best players. They have the they they have the best recruits. They have they they have a schedule that is the best schedule for making it to the college football playoff. And they and they and they did that. Great. Nick Saban's job is just not screw it up. He's done all the work already. Just don't screw it up. And again, they didn't. That's not coaching though. That's not a coaching job. What Nick Saban did, he just accumulated talent and put him in the right spot. That's all that that's all that Alabama is. And Nick Saban is a great coach. 
But he's done the coaching already. He's already got that program to where it is a machine. That's the price you pay for being Alabama is you don't get the benefit of the doubt of, of, oh, he went undefeated or, oh, it put up these kind of numbers. No, you don't get the benefit of that. You get the benefit of, well, they're doing it again. You know, that's what you get at Alabama. That, that's, that's what you get from that. Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly deserves to be nominated for, for the award. I, I agree. Brian Kelly deserves a nomination for the award. Because what he did at Notre Dame this year, you know, but we can talk about, we knew if, if Notre Dame beats Michigan, we knew they'd have a very, very good chance of making the college football playoff. Yes, he got Notre Dame to the playoff. Yes, he, he is a high-profile coach at the highest-profile school in America. But that doesn't make him the coach of the year. How they overlooked Bill Clark at UAB. And we just talked about it. UAB just crushed, crushed their bowl game. Got their 11th win of the year. They went 10-2, and two, went to their conference championship, won their conference championship. Okay? They won a conference USA title. This was a team, and again, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do this. If you're listening to the show live, just take a deep breath and just think about these answers. As I'm saying them, as I'm asking these questions, just think about the answers to these questions. If you're you know, listening on podcasts and you're at your desk at work maybe listening or you know, whatever you're doing listening to us as a podcast, just take a breath. Do the same thing. Take a breath. Listen to the answer to these questions because the answer to this question will explain to you why Bill Clark is the clear answer to this question. The – all right. Josh Heupel at UCF. Did they have, did they have a program two years ago at UCF? Yes. Did they have a program at Alabama two years ago? Yes, they were playing in the national championship game. Did Notre Dame have a program two years ago? Yes, they did. UAB, did they have a program two years ago? The answer is no. The answer is no. They canceled the program two years ago, and they didn't get to play a, they didn't get to play a down of football. They had practice. They had 13 weeks of practice. Three years ago, at the end of the season, the board of directors at UAB decided that football was too expensive, and they got rid of the program. That means they got rid of all the recruits. They got rid of all the scholarships. They got rid of all the coaches. They got rid of the football, all the football operations people. They got rid of everybody. The whole organization was gone. Then they spent a year in exile, and they had protests, and people finally brought it to attention, like, what are you guys doing? This is the dumbest idea you've ever come up with. And they got the program back. They hired this guy, Bill Clark, to coach the team. Bill Clark 
now had to create an entire uh, an entire operation operations. He had to get kids to come in and say, "Hey, look, we're not going to play for a year. For a year, we are going to practice and not play a game. And you're gonna, but you're going to come back. But in two years, we're going to be on the field. You guys are going to be this." Then he went. Then he had to go out and recruit guys. He wasn't getting five star recruits. Five star recruits were not going to be like, you know what? I'm going to go to that program that that uh, the program that folded. I'm going to go there. That's not. He had to scrap. He had to get the bottom of the barrel recruits. Bring them in and say, hey, look, you're going to play. You're going to bring us back. You're going to bring this program. Uh, you're going to bring this program to to New Heights, and you're going to be remembered as the group that got this program started again. That's how he had to sell it. And yeah, last year, they had a tough season. I think they won three games last. Uh, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna do this. I'm going to check it. I'm going to check it up. I'm going to make sure stats and information, make sure that I'm okay, that I'm, that, that I'm giving you the right information. So let's... Check this out. So while I bring that up, let me get that. The UAB Blazers. So Bill Clark has to get this program back under control. Not only does he get it under control, he has them at a conference championship level. I don't care if it was the... I don't care that it was Conference USA. Why is that not there? All right, they're giving me the wrong. I don't care about college next. I'm trying to get college football soon. All right. I don't care that it was Conference USA. I don't care that it was a meaningless, I mean, that it, it didn't result in, in, in going to a big-time bowl game. That's not, the, that's not what matters. What matters is this team started from nothing, from nothing. They started from scratch, and this guy had them, had brought them to this high of a level in one year. I mean, yeah, they went they went eight and five just last last season. They went eight and five. This year they made the jump to ten and two. That's an amazing. Amazing turnaround by this guy. Bill Clark, how he's not the coach of the year, I do not understand it. I don't get it. The only way I can explain it is that the AP, you have to understand, the AP is is about selling newspapers. The AP is about getting headlines. You don't get headlines with the UAB head coach. When I posted this, um, when I posted this show on Facebook, I had I had a guy ask me who, you know, I had a, a guy ask the question, who's the coach of the year? And I told him, it's Bill Clark. And his response to me was, what school does he coach for? And I, and, and, and I had to explain it to him. Coached at UAB. They didn't have a program two years ago. Now they're conference champions. It's an amazing story. That's the job of the media. The media is supposed to give you the stories that matter. 
is supposed to tell you what these guys are. That's not the job anymore. Their job is to sell, sell, sell. It's all about money. And what sells? Alabama and Notre Dame football. Everybody knows. You might not know who Brian Kelly is, but you know Notre Dame football. Oh, now people look at the headline. Oh, Notre Dame coach won the award. Let me find out more about that. People look at it and they say UAB coach. I don't care. But it's, I mean, that's just the way people are. But if you're a true fan of college football, what UAB did is college football. It is the pageantry of college football. It is, it's the, it's the stuff I was thinking about this uh, today. This is the stuff movies are made of. I mean, we are Marshall. Um, Friday Night Lights. I know Friday Night Lights is a high school, um, is a high school uh, drama, but it's it's still a football. This is the thing football is about. This is what this is what college football is about. It's about overcoming adversity. They overcame the fact that nobody wanted them. Nobody wanted the kids that got recruited. Nobody wanted the program. Their own school didn't even want to play. And this guy brings this team together, puts his team, puts his team together, brings them out there, gets them to win enough games to win a conference championship, and then destroys destroys a bowl game. That is a miraculous event. It's just ridiculous that the AP would go down this route. So now that we've gotten that off our chest. Let's let's go to um I wanna go let's go let's give out some awards. Let's wrap up the college football season. Let's give out some awards. Uh we talked last last week. Um I got if you were asking me who the best offensive player in the country is if you ask if you were to ask me who the most outstanding player in college football was. They gave the Heisman to Kyler Murray. I, I don't know how. I don't know why. I, I can't understand it. And I looked at the stats today, and the stats are, are ridiculous. The stats are crazy ridiculous. I mean, Kyler Murray threw for 4,000 4,053 yards. Yes, he threw for 4,000 yards. Great. Good job. Tua? Tua threw for 3,300 yards. So you're like, oh, I see why. Kyle Murray threw for almost 800 more yards. You know, almost 700, about 700 more yards. So, so you could say, okay, he did that. Tua, uh, Kyle Murray threw 40 touchdowns. Tua through 37. Here's the big difference. You could say, well, Kyler Murray did more. Here's the difference. And we talked about it last week. Tua, Kyler Murray played every quarter of every game. Tua did not take a fourth quarter snap until the SEC championship game. Twelve extra quarters of football gave Kyler Murray his numbers. That's three full games. That's three full games. 
So if you do the math on that, Kyler Murray threw for 700 yards more in three extra games. That's and that, that's like 180 yards. Oh, it's like it's like 200. It's like 210 yards, like per game. Like it's not that much. If you think about it, it's not that much more than what Tua did. And Tua did it in third quarters and in second halves where they were just blowing teams out and they were just running the football to get out of the game. This is, but here's the stat that blows everyone away, that blows uh, Kyle Murray away by Tua. Tua played the entire season. He threw four, a grand total of four interceptions. Kyle Murray threw seven, which is an amazing number as well. But four, four interceptions, that's the thing that I think about, when I think of quarterback play, I think of throwing interceptions. If you throw interceptions, that's a bad thing. So if you, throw the, if you give me a guy who only throws four interceptions in an entire season, I'm going to take that guy over the guy who put up all these yards but turned the ball over more. That is, that's where I think... Um, that's where I think, so when I look at most outstanding player, I'm going with Tua. So, obviously, best, so obviously quarterback of the year, I'm going with Tua. I'm doing all that. Okay. Let's go back. Let's go to running back of the, you know, best running back this year. I, I think it, it's the Dope Walker Award. But for our purpose here, we're just going to call it who's the best running back. I gotta go with Daryl Henderson of uh, of Memphis. Um, Jonathan Taylor had a great season. Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, had the most yards. He nearly had two. He finished 11 yards short. He'll get he'll get to 2,000 yards uh, in the bowl game. So he'll have a 2,000 yard rushing season. I I, I totally believe in that. Um, Travis Atn uh, basically carried Clemson. Uh, when when they were going through their uh, quarterback woes. So he would be on my list as a finalist. But Daryl Henderson, if you've ever watched this kid play, he is a beast. He had 22 touchdowns this year. He had 1,900 yards. So And really, I don't have a bad performance from Daryl Henderson. I really didn't see him. I mean, against UCF, I saw him tear up UCF in the first half of both meetings, Daryl Henderson was basically unstoppable. Or in the uh in the uh American conference championship game, um they were they would just run a wildcat and they would just snap the ball right to Daryl Henderson and he would just go. Um so I I would say Daryl Henderson is my choice for running back of the year. Um, so, all right. So, there we go with that. Let's let's go to wide receiver of the year. This is going to be an interesting one. And I, I'm going to have to spell out the stats for you because most people don't know about this kid. I, and I, I 
I gotta go with him. I gotta give him some love here. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. We have a freshman on on the list. Rondale Moore, great great season, great player, great story at Purdue. Rondale Moore, and he's only a freshman. Rondale Moore will have many more chances to pull this off. But there is a wide receiver, a 5'10 wide receiver, a short guy just like Rondale Moore. But he plays at UMass. And that is Andy Isabella. Andy Isabella, let me just tell you some stats. 102 catches, almost 1,700 yards, and 13 touchdowns on the season. This guy, and, and, and here's the funny thing about it. He didn't have a double-digit catch game until about two, three, four, five, six. Seven games into the season, he did not have a, a double-digit catch game. Then he goes out, plays Ohio, who's playing in a bowl game right now, 12 catches. South Florida, who's a bowl team, 13 catches. Uh, BYU, who's a bowl team, 10 catches. Georgia, against you could say, well, UMass doesn't play anybody. They played Georgia, Okay. This kid had 15 catches for 200 yards against that Georgia team. So this is a kid who put up numbers, not only put up numbers against the small teams of the world, this is the guy who went out, played his best against, against their best opponents. We just talked about Georgia Southern winning a bowl game. Nine catches in that game, almost 100 yards. So... This is a kid who has done it all year. I would give it to Andy Isabella um, as the best wide receiver. Um, now I'm giving it. I'm giving this based on the performance of the year. I'm not giving it based on. All right, this guy is the best. I mean, Nikhil Harry is the best wide receiver in football, in college football. Nikhil Harry is amazing. But if you go by the stats and you go by um, what these guys are doing. You, you, I, I gotta go. I gotta go with. Uh, I gotta go with Andy Isabella from from UMass. Defensive lineman of the year. This is a tough one because there's a lot of good choices, a lot of good candidates here. Um, you know, I, I'm. Gonna, you know, I, I'm I'm looking for the name I want to get in there. Defensive tackle of the year. I know this one is uh, defensive tackle of the year is Quentin Williams of Alabama. If you've watched him play, I mean, he's not he's not going to dominate you with the stats because of how Alabama plays defense. It's basically you guys, you big guys, suck up blocks. But if you watch this guy play, he just dominates the uh, defensive line. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with him as defensive tackle. At defensive end, however, I'm gonna go with 
and I know this guy doesn't line up as, as he's technically considered a linebacker, but the way Kentucky uses him is kind of as a rush end, so I'm going to put him in this category, and that's Josh Allen. Josh Allen was a great player for Kentucky. He's pretty much the reason Kentucky had such a great season. He's definitely the defensive reason that they had a great season that they had. So I'm going to give it to Josh Allen um, for my defensive, uh, my pass rusher of, of the year. Uh, linebacker. Linebacker of the year. This is a tough one. Um, this is a very tough one to um, – this is a very tough one to call. Um, and I, I know how I'm going to make the decision. There's two guys on the list, and that's – and surprisingly, they're both named Devin. But um, – it's Devin White at uh, LSU and Devin Bush at Michigan. Um, these are my those are my two guys that I would say are the uh, premier linebackers in, in in the league in college football. Um, and judging off the stats here, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with, even though he got suspended for that Alabama game, which was a huge loss for the LSU defense, I'm going to go with Devin White as my linebacker of the year. I believe it's called the Butt Kiss Award, but um, I might be be wrong on that. We'll have stats and information. Check it out. But um, either way, I'm I'm going with that. All right. Defensive back of the year. This one is pretty straightforward. Um, I, I I can't really give it to anybody. I mean, if you had to pick who the best defensive back in the country is, it's Greedy Williams from LSU. Is definitely is the best corner, best coverage guy. But I'm gonna go with Hamp Cheevers of um, of Boston College. Seven interceptions, one return for a touchdown, um, fumble recovery. He had 40 tackles on the year. It, I, I'm, I'm going to give it to Hans Cheevers for the amount of interceptions plus the return touchdown. So we'll go there with that one. Now let's see what I'm thinking. All right, let's do an interesting – here's an interesting one that we have to come up with. And we have to understand we have to understand that field goal kicking in college football is absolutely atrocious. <laughs> We've talked about this before that co- college football does not have the best of college kickers. So um, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with a. a I'm going, to, I'm going to give you the kicker of the year award, uh, and I, I'm going to say I'm going to say that my, for my kicker of the year, I'm going to go with Cole Tracy from LSU. Uh, guy made some big kicks, made the big kick against Auburn. Uh, he had a long of 54, only missed four field goals on the year. 
did not miss an extra point. So I, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Cole Tracy. I, I, you could go maybe Rodrigo Blank, Rodrigo Blankenship, if he hadn't missed, if he had made that field goal in the fourth quarter of the SEC championship game, probably would have been one of the guys up there. Um, Justin Yoon uh, didn't have. Justin Yoon of Notre Dame could have gone up there, but I'm, I'm going to give it to Cole Tracy from um, I'm going to give it to Cole Tracy for kicker of the year from LSU. All right, we've got a comment. Alright, so my, my buddy my buddy Kevin he called up last week. Um Miami he says Miami football is dead. And <laughs> um why he's bringing that up, we'll find out. Uh maybe maybe he'll maybe he'll call in to expand on his Miami uh, he is a Miami fan, but apparently he is not not pleased with his uh, with his team right now. But um, that, those are the college football. Those are the awards. We finished right on time here, so perfect perfect time to transition to the NFL. Let's do a little um, housekeeping for a second. Let's update. Let's update the uh, let's update the bowl game here, because obviously we are obviously we're into the bowl game, and I you know Frank Solich's uh, Ohio offense doing a good job. They're up ten nothing on San Diego State in the Frisco Bowl down in Texas. Um, for those of you that are listening from Connecticut. We have uh, the number one UConn women's basketball team taking on Oklahoma, and right now they trail 14 to 12. So you got that going for you, too. You got that going for you um, right here. All right, let's turn our attention to the NFL. Let me just do some checks. Do some checks here. All right. Checking the board again. All right, so if you want to talk about the college football awards, if you want to talk about the NFL, as we're going to get into right now, definitely uh, feel free to hit us up on the line, 646-668-8467. And the way we're going to break down football right now is we're going to, we're going to, talk, about, we're going to talk about the playoff teams. All right, well, we got, we got a response, so... Um, Okay, so possibly, possibly have Kevin joining the show. Um, he says he says he'll try to call in before ten, so we'll look forward to that. And that, and right now we'll get into the get into the NFL. We're gonna break it down by doing the playoffs, and we'll talk. So because we're breaking down the playoffs, we'll break down the playoff teams, and we'll talk about the games that were played this week that that played into it. 
Kansas City, what a game. Kansas City and the um, and the San Diego Chargers. Yes, I still call them San Diego. Until they play in a real stadium and they don't play in a soccer field, I will continue to call them the San Diego Chargers, not the L.A. Chargers. I don't care what they do. I don't care how far they go. I will still call them the San Diego Chargers. And there's nothing anybody can do about it because that's what I feel like doing. All right. Anyway, what a game. The Chargers showed you. The Chargers showed you exactly what what not to do in the NFL, but they showed you exactly how to beat the Chiefs. And that is play solid defense. Play solid defense and make sure Kansas City's defense is on the field to end the game. And that's what the Chargers did. Um, it, it was amazing. I mean, the whole game, the Chargers turned the ball over twice. Kansas City didn't turn the ball over. By all metrics, you would have thought that Kansas City won that game. The Chargers found a way to get in, get within seven. They drove down the field. They used up perfect clock management. They get into the end zone. They go for two. They win the game. Yay, Chargers. In the scheme of things, it really did nothing for the Los Angeles Chargers. Did nothing for them. The Chiefs are still in the top spot. Um, the only thing that it did was it made uh, – it, it does give a road for the San Diego Chargers to um, – For the, for the Chargers to get back into this, there is a road. And that road is this weekend. Kansas City is at Seattle. That is a huge game Sunday night. Um, it's a huge game because if the Chiefs if the Chiefs win that game, does anybody really think the Raiders are going to put up a fight in Week 17? I don't think so. So the so that's that's the only opportunity. The Chiefs need Seattle. The Chiefs need to beat Seattle. The Chargers need Seattle to win that game so that the, the Chargers can jump from the five seed all the way up to having home field throughout the playoffs. So it's interesting. The Chargers could go from being on the road in week one to having a bye and home field throughout all in all in one fell swoop. But it's no picnic for the um, for the for the Chargers this week. There's no it's there it's no picnic for them as they get the Ravens. Um, they get the Ravens coming coming to them at their soccer stadium. So it'll be interesting to see. Both teams have tough opponents. Both teams are playing teams that need to win. Seattle needs to win to keep their spot. The Ravens need to win to keep their spot and maybe try to go after the Steelers. We'll talk about that in a minute. But both teams are playing hungry teams. And then both teams obviously being in the AFC West. You know, one team gets the Raiders, one team gets the Broncos. So obviously 
the Chiefs have the upper hand there. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. To see who gets the number one spot and who has to go on the road in week one of the playoffs. Let's go to the number two seed. The number two seed is the Houston Texans. They took care of business this weekend, and by default, um, they were lucky to have New England playing Pittsburgh. Um, and we know what happened in that game. Uh, we know Pittsburgh was able to beat New England. That helped. That helped Houston sneak by. Houston got the Jets, so they were lucky enough to have the New York Jets right there. Um, but you look at them going down the stretch, Eagles and Jaguars, the Houston, Houston Texans have to win out. If they don't win out, the Patriots can sneak back in, and if they finish tied with the Patriots, then the, um, then, then the Patriots will grab that second seed. So Houston needs to win out to hold on to their bye week or they need to win this weekend and have New England, if New England loses this weekend and Houston wins, then they lock up the, uh, the bye week and a home game in round two and possibly a home game in the championship game depending on how it plays out. We just talked about New England. New England has the AFC East, has the AFC East wrapped up. Um, they haven't clinched it yet, but, I mean, they're two games up with two to play. And them and Miami obviously obviously split the season series. So, but even even then, I mean, New England, New England is ready to go. The bigger race is for New England to get that bye week and also for New England to uh, get, by the, get by the Steelers. That tie with the Browns for the Steelers. Could be their demise in not getting the number three seed. Um, in not getting that number three seed, I mean, the Patriots play the Bills and the Jets going home. Does anybody think the Bills have a chance or the Jets have a chance? Both games in Foxborough, there's, I don't, I don't see any way that New England is going to lose down the stretch. Um, Just checking something here. Okay, that'll be an interesting discussion to have. So hopefully, hopefully, hopefully Kevin does call the show so we can talk about uh, his comments and his feelings about the Miami Hurricanes. Because it plays right into what I just talked about about recruiting and, and that, that kind of thing. So hopefully he calls a little bit later in the show. But, all right, so we're talking about New England. New England pretty much has everything wrapped up. They, I mean, nobody's a given. Nobody's a given. They call it every given Sunday for a reason. But, I mean, the Bills and Jets going into Foxborough, hard to see the Patriots losing a, losing a game when they need it. Um, so the last, so we talked about the Chargers already. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
got a big win over the New England Patriots. Um, and a lot of people all excited. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Pittsburgh beat New England. Pittsburgh's going to do this. Pittsburgh. Last year. Last, just go, just rewind the clock to last year. The Steelers beat the Patriots. Yes, they didn't beat them in the scoreboard. Jesse James caught the pass, and we all know it was overturned in the end zone. It prompted the whole changing the catch-no-catch rule. Um, But the Steelers did the exact same thing. And what happened? They got blown out by the Jaguars in the first round of the playoffs at home. You know, and for the Steelers, for the Steelers, if, even if they win, even if the Steelers win, they still have to go through Foxborough. Can they get by New England in Foxborough? That's the biggest. That's the biggest question to me. Is can can the Steelers win in Foxborough? And until I see it, I'm not going to believe it because they've tried every which way to get through that. And it just has not worked. Um, okay. So, but let's just get into the Steelers for a minute. The Steelers are in a very precarious situation. We talked about the Ravens having to play. The, the, they're still in a dogfight with the Ravens for the division. And they got to go to New Orleans, which we know is a tough place to play. The question is, how will New Orleans handle this? Are they going to go all out, or are they going to you know, rest on their laurels a little bit, try to get ready for the playoffs? I think knowing Sean Payton, he's going to have his guys ready. He's going to, um, he's going to keep the pedal to the metal, um, especially with Drew Brees. So I think that's a tough one for the Steelers. And of course, we just talked about the Ravens. They're in the dogfight with the Ravens. And the Ravens have the Chargers, so it'll be we'll, we'll be having to see what the um, what the you know it's it's not going to be an easy game for any of them uh, for e- either of those teams. But I mean, if they both if they both lose, nothing changes. If one of those you know, if the Steelers win, they pretty much wrap up the um, AFC North. Um, and, and it would be interesting. They would wrap up the AFC North because of the tie, but they would lose out to New England because... <laughs> because uh, So they would lose out to New England because of the tie. So in a way, it helps them. In a way, it hurts them. Kind of like, kind of like a tie. You know, it's not a win. It's not a loss. Not really anything. So it's an interesting uh, dynamic there. All right. Let's go to the let's go to the final playoff spot, which right now is Baltimore. We just talked about they have a game with, with the Chargers. Teams in the running. I'm really not gonna count the six win teams. They have to win out. Um they have to win out in order to um, – the Browns have to win out, and they need a lot of help. Um, the same thing with the Bengals, the you know, same thing with the Broncos and the Bengals. They need a lot of help to get in. 
Um, it's it's way too much help. It's it's way I think it's way too much to count on that. To count on all the things that need to happen for the Browns to Browns, Broncos, and Bengals. I mean, for them to make it. So I'm going to focus on Miami, who's only a game behind Tennessee and Indianapolis, who are uh, who are both eight and six, and the Ravens, who are eight and six. Now, the Ravens have a tough game. We know Indianapolis and Tennessee are going to play each other at the end of the year. One of those teams is going to win. One of those teams is going to lose. So that opens the door right there. The Indianapolis Colts, everybody is excited about, about how the Colts beat the Dallas Cowboys. And I'll get into that in a minute. We'll get into that when we – that was more – I think that's more on the Cowboys. Right? The Colts are a great team, and they shut out the Cowboys. They played great defense. They didn't uh, – they, they have protected Andrew Luck all year. Quentin Nelson is a beast. He's showing that he was worthy of the uh, draft pick where they got him. So that's worthy. But – the Colts are at home against the Giants. We saw the Giants last week against Tennessee. They were absolutely pathetic. Um, if if Lou calls in, I'm sure we'll talk more about the Giants and how pathetic they look. But um, I'm not going to waste time breaking down the Giants right now because it's not, not worth it. So we're talking about Tennessee, who did beat the Giants. 17-0, the game was a disaster. It was heavy rain the whole time. Just really nothing to really get out of it. But Titans play the Redskins in a very meaningful game. So the Titans are in a dogfight. And especially knowing that the Colts have to play the Giants, the, the Tennessee Titans cannot afford to lose that game. Um, and, of course, if they lose the final game to the Colts, they would be completely out of it because the Colts would hold tiebreakers, and not only that, the Colts would probably hold um, will probably hold the record. So we'll, we'll have a better record than the Titans, so tiebreaker wouldn't even come into play. But that being said, we talked about the Ravens. Uh, the, the Ravens, the Ravens have Ravens have what? They have the Chargers and they have the Browns that final week. So uh, the Ravens are holding on by the skin of their teeth. They have tiebreak. They win the tiebreaker over Indianapolis based on conference wins. Um, uh, and that's all they all they have to do is beat the Colts right now because the Titans. Um, because the way it goes is it goes division and then it goes conference. So because Indianapolis and Tennessee are tied together and they're in the same conference, Indianapolis holds the tiebreaker right now over Tennessee, so that puts them up above. And that, that leads them to going against the Ravens, but the Ravens have a better in-conference record. That gives them the sixth seed. Ravens are holding on and they need a win over the Chargers. So if the playoffs were to start today, 
we would see New England, we would see Baltimore heading to New England, and we would see L, we would see the Chargers heading to Pittsburgh. Um, we saw the Chargers have uh, a comeback, have the comeback win. So that would be an interesting matchup to me, just to see if the you know the Steelers can be the Steelers of the first half or be the Steelers from the second half of that game. Can they get revenge? Can the, can the Chargers be the same team? Who knows? So that's the AFC playoff picture. That's the AFC playoff picture. Let's roll. Let's keep on rolling here. Keep dogs rolling. Let's uh, update the score here. It's still 10 nothing. It's still 10 nothing. San Diego, uh, Ohio over San Diego State in the Frisco Bowl. One uh, fifteen to go in the second in the second quarter. Uh, San Diego State has the ball, but they they're gonna punt to Ohio with a minute fifteen left. Ohio Ohio's gonna try to tack on some points before the half. Let's go to the NFC. Um, the NFC in the NFC, the New Orleans Saints. We talked about them playing against Pittsburgh. If they beat Pittsburgh on Sunday, they will clinch home field advantage in the playoffs. They will be 13 and two with a win over the Los Angeles Rams. That leaves them with no chance of getting out. If New Orleans, for some reason, for some reason, New Orleans somehow goes and loses their last two games. They could, could wind up going from the number one seed into playing on wild card uh, on wild card Sunday. That would be a disaster for the New Orleans Saints. We know if they lock up home field, we know going into the Dome will be a very interesting, uh, it'll be a very hard process for any team to go into the Superdome and beat the New Orleans Saints. It's it's just a very hard task. So the Saints want to wrap that up. That's why it's a big game against Pittsburgh. Um, they can wrap all of that up and be ready to go next week. They can rest some guys. They can do whatever they need to do but they'll know that they have a bye and home field throughout. The Los Angeles Rams, the Los Angeles Rams lost, they're, they're losers of two in a row right now. Um, very interesting for them. Um, losing two games in a row, they lost to, hold on. Okay. All right. So they lost to the Bears on a uh, on a rainy Monday night, a cold Monday night game. Really wasn't their kind of their cup of tea. They lost that game. They lost to an eagle, a desperate Eagles team at home. Now they get the Cardinals and 49ers to end the season. I don't see them losing any of those games, um, according to updates here. Um, According to updates um, given by Coach Sean McVay, Todd Gurley, um, Todd Gurley is okay. Um, 
Uh, he, he expects Gurley to play. I don't think Gurley will play that much. They don't need him against the Cardinals. Um, that shouldn't be that big of a deal. They got the Cardinals, as I said, the Cardinals and the 49ers to end, end the season. So those should be um, wins for them. Not, uh, not, much, not much to do there as far as that's concerned. What's going on here? Just checking the equipment. It's okay. Well, okay, we're moving on. The Chicago Bears clinched the AFC, the NFC North. Uh, amazing what one guy will do. Khalil Mack made them, that Khalil Mack trade uh, made them into what the Bears are right now. And Mitchell Trubisky coming back against the Packers, they get, I mean, what a banner week for the Chicago Bears. They beat the hated Packers. They clinched the division. Uh, they knocked the Packers. They basically killed the Packers' chances of, of getting to the postseason. So what, what a great ending for them. They have the 49ers and then at the Vikings. Um, obviously, the 49ers, we know, we know what they are. And if you want to get any 49ers news, tune in to uh, Niner, Niners Faithful Radio right here on Radio AFS Mondays. Um, if you're here on the uh, East Coast, it's at uh, 6 p.m. If you're on the West Coast, it starts at, at 3 p.m. But, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, our boy Niners Faithful does a great job bringing you everything, everything, all things Niners. Everything you need to know um, to get you ready for those games. So that's Monday nights. Monday nights right here on Radio AFS. Check it out, especially if you're a 49ers fan, uh, especially if you're a Bears fan this week and you want to get some info on the other teams. Listen to Niners Faithful. He'll tell you all you need to know. All right. So the Bears have that third spot. And with them playing the 49ers, I think they pretty much lock in that they will be at least the number three seed, which is big for in the NFC. Uh, let's talk about the number four seed and a very sore spot. For me, the Dallas Cowboys, my Dallas Cowboys, they had an awful game on Sunday. It was awful, okay? They did not play well on defense. They didn't play well on offense. But this was probably the best thing for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, the Dallas Cowboys, everybody had been riding high on them. Oh, they beat the Eagles. Oh, they beat the Saints. Oh, they beat the Eagles again. Okay. The Dallas Cowboys have been, the Dallas Cowboys, everybody riding high on them. Everybody was talking them up. Every problem I talked, I talked about the Dallas Cowboys a lot last week and talked about all the problems that they have with this organization. They all came to light last week. Hopefully, this team sat down, watched the film of the game, and realized we cannot win this way. Dak Prescott was all over the place with the football. Dak Prescott, happy feet in the pocket. Dak Prescott, um, you know. Not not looking comfortable at all. Missing wide open wide open throws with just bad passes. 
Not missing them as in he didn't see them. Missing them as in he couldn't throw the ball to the receivers. There was one play where he tried to throw the ball to Colbizos. Colbizos was being covered by a linebacker. All you had to do was float it over the top. He could, Dak Prescott couldn't do it. And you saw Cole Beasley, you know, the ball got tipped by the linebacker and hit another guy and came back and hit Cole Beasley right in the face because Cole Beasley was like, what are you doing? Turned around and was like, what are you doing when the first ball got tipped? If he was, if Cole Beasley was actually paying attention, probably could have caught it on the rebound and made it into a big play, which is, one of the things, you know, for, for young football fans, don't give up on the play. But also, it, it was just a showing that, obviously, Cole Beasley was like, come on, dude, you can make that throw. Make, you know, so I, I didn't blame I don't blame him. When I saw Cole Beasley, I said, oh, he got him. He's wide open. He's wide open. He got a beat. And Dak missed the throw. Uh, red zone inefficiency, third and one. Third and one on the goal line, you know, third and one, they run a play-action pass. It works perfectly. The guy's wide open. Dak short arms the ball to a fullback. Fullback doesn't make the catch. Fourth down, um, Dallas, I I can't even imagine. Dallas, overload on the right side of the line. Well, only the Cowboys. Well, let's run the ball to the left, where we only have two linemen. We have five linemen on the other side. But let's run to the two linemen side and try to pick up the first down. Those are things you do on third, on second, third, third and short. Second and short, third and short. Yeah, you can try that. On fourth and short, you go to your strong side. If you have an overloaded line to the right, you run to the right and get a yard. That's what you do. It, it, I, I was watching the game. I said, there's no way they're going to run the ball left. They run the ball to the left. They get stopped. Boom. So right before half, Ohio scores again. It's 17-0 Ohio. Uh, this one's looking like our typical bowl season so far with Ohio running, running wild over um, San Diego State. But there you go with the Dallas Cowboys. Now let's get into the big crux of the issue. Um, actually, I want to answer a question from a listener. We have a listener get get to me during the week. She uh, she wanted to know what what do the Dallas Cowboys have to do to secure a playoff spot? Dallas hasn't wrapped anything up because they can lose. They can lose and miss out on the playoffs. If they win next week, they clinch a playoff spot. If they win and Washington and the Washington Redskins lose, they clinch the division. But basically, if they win next, if they just win next week, they clinch the division and get in. There's no way anybody can catch them. The Eagles can't catch them because they're not only a game behind, but they are. You know, the Eagles, if they finish tied, the Cowboys win by, de, uh, by default, by, uh, by having the uh, winning season series. So um, to answer Denise's question, what do the Cowboys have to do to win? They have to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They go to 9-6. and six. Um, 
nine and six, they go to nine and six, they finish. Um, they go to nine and six, and they pretty much they eliminate the Eagles from the NFC East, and they get uh, one win closer. If the Redskins if the Redskins lose, they clinch the division outright. Otherwise, you have to wait till next week. Um, and you have to see the Eagles and Redskins are going to play each other at the end of the, uh, at, in the final game. But there is a sliver of hope. There's a sliver. It's very, it's very small for the Washington Redskins to still win the division. The Cowboys would have to lose out. Redskins would have to win out. And then it would come down to tiebreakers and it would get crazy. But the biggest thing the Cowboys can do is win next week and they're in. That would solve the problem. The fifth seed, the Seattle Seahawks, have no way of getting to the division. The only way they get in is if they get in as a wild card. If Seattle wins, they go. They will get in. Let's look at Seattle's remaining schedule to figure out what they got going on here. And we gotta wait. We gotta wait for loading. Wait for loading. Don't like that. That's why it's a big game against the uh, against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. If Seattle can somehow win that game, and, and it's at home, so it, it should be a rock a raucous crowd. The the third, you know, the twelfth man up there in uh, in Seattle. If they can get things done, Seattle can become um, Seattle can clinch a wild card spot if they win, but really they don't have to because the next week they play the Arizona Cardinals at home, so they will. They will. All they need is one more win to clinch a playoff spot um, in the NFC. So and so it won't make that big of a difference uh, between them and the. Uh, it won't make a big difference because they have the Arizona Cardinals. Coming in, so now to that all-important sixth, sixth and final playoff spot. Right now, the Minnesota Vikings, because of their tie with the Green Bay Packers, are now um, are, are currently holding that spot because they are seven, six, and one. Philadelphia and Washington are both seven and seven. Both have uh, both teams have a shot. Let's uh, let's tell you what the Vikings got coming up. We'll tell you how important. Well, we know they play Chicago that last game of the season. The big question will be how, how, how much will the Bears want to invest in that game? Will that game matter for the Chicago Bears? That will be the interesting part because if the Bears don't care and they kind of you know mail it in, the Vikings could get in that way. They also play at the Detroit Lions. Divisional game, always tough, but it is the Lions, so um, you know we got we got to chalk that one up there. So the Vikings seem to be in a in 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 a good good place. Um, in a, they seem to be in, in a good spot at at seven seven six and one. They they play again at Detroit. If we give them that win, that that puts them eight, six, and one. Then they get the Bears, and we don't know what Bears team is going to show up. Um, 
Not that we don't know what Bears team, you know, we don't know what how the Bears are going to approach that game. Are they going to rest players, get ready for the next week, or are they going to be um, – are they going to go all out? The Eagles. The Eagles play the Texans. We talked about that earlier. The Texans need that game. That's going to be a tough one for the Eagles. But I mean, how many how many tough games have we said for the Eagles? I mean, we thought they were dead after the Saints game. Nope, they bounced back with a win against the Giants. They bounced back with a win against the Redskins. Then they lose to the Cowboys. We thought, oh, their Eagles are done after they lost to the Cowboys in overtime. Nope, they go out and beat the Rams in in L.A. Now they've got a shot. If they win out and the Vikings lose a game, I think, based on my numbers, I think the Eagles would win a tiebreaker over the Vikings. Um, you know, it's not a, but it's not a decision of who I think. It's a matter of, you know, it's not an opinion. It's not like college football where you get to pick who's the better team. It, that's, not, that's not what it is. It's more of a um, – it's more it, – it, the NFL is all fact-based. They, I know they'll have, they'll have some numbers that, that figure it out. But right now, I would say that oh, – Let's get this to reload. We're, and the last team we need to talk about is the Washington Redskins, who are – I said they are technically still alive. Obviously, they are behind the Eagles because of, right now, the head-to-head matchup. So the Redskins need to win out to get in. And again, they played the Titans, who are in a playoff race as well. So they have probably the toughest schedule out of those, those three. But I think... No. So, but who knows what the Redskins, the Redskins, I thought they were not going to survive Jacksonville. They were able to, to do that. Can they get behind, rally behind Josh Johnson? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. Don't, uh, I, I, I don't think Josh Johnson is going to be a guy who can lead them to victory. These are the victories he needs to do. Of what he needs to do, so, but um, you know, if he can pull this off, it would be a miracle for the Redskins. I don't see it happening. Um, I, I I think both of these games are going to be tough. I think one of them is going to, uh, one of them is going to nip them in the bud, and if they and they have to win out, they have to win out. If they don't win out, they don't make the playoffs. So that's. That's the storylines in the NFL. Those are the storylines in the play in the playoff scenarios. Um, you know, the most interesting thing is what happens in the AFC West because that controls home field throughout the playoffs. Um, obviously, what happens with the Houston Texans um, playing Philadelphia this weekend? 
in a, in a big playoff, you know, the loser of that game is going to be severely hurt. Obviously, Houston is still going to be Houston's still going to make the playoffs. Houston's still going to make the playoffs. I don't see them not winning the AF the AFC South. If Houston does win, they wrap up the AFC South, so that's added bonus to them playing a hard in that game. But at the same time, they want they want to get that bye week. They want to make um, they want to make New England or Baltimore come to them. Um, they don't want to get into that that three seed where they have to end up playing Baltimore and then having to go to Foxborough to try to beat the Patriots to get to the championship game. That's that's not it. Not an optimal scenario for them. Um, they want to keep that bye week. And and if both the Chiefs and the Chargers lose this weekend, which is possible, we talked about it, Seattle and Baltimore, tough, tough opponents for both those teams. If those teams lose, Houston would be tied for that top spot. How it would change how it would change would be all due to tiebreakers and we'd have to go through the whole thing. Um I believe the char- the Chiefs would still would still hold the spot, but we know Houston has Philadelphia and Jacksonville left. You know, I, I'm pretty sure that the um, if the Texans were to say it, if you were to ask them who they would want, if one of those teams, the Chiefs or the Chargers. If one of the only one of them could lose, I'm sure they would want the Chiefs to lose because the Chiefs go in and play the Raiders next week. So there's no, there's really no opportunity for that last game. Um, I really don't see the Raiders being able to go into Arrowhead and, and upset the Chiefs um, to 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 make the. Uh, to make the playoff, you know, to make the play, make it a playoff race. But what is going on here? Okay, there we go. All right, but that's the playoff race. That that's the way it's going to break down. And I, I I really, if you had to ask me who's in the best position right now. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people have been, uh, have been commenting and saying, "Oh, the the Pittsburgh beat New England, and this means New England. This spells New England's demise." You know, there's a lot of truth to that. There's, there's a lot of of, there's a lot, a lot you can go through to, you know, to that New England usually usually does not do well if they do not have the home field throughout. Um, that's typically how New, New England New England gets to the Super Bowl is by um, being at home and taking care of business in Foxborough. I, they, they still have a shot. If, if Kansas City were to lose the final two games of the season, um, the New England Patriots would be able would win via tiebreakers. They've beaten both Houston and Kansas City, so 
if all the teams finish with the same record, the New England Patriots would get the top seed. I don't see that happening. Um, I don't see that happening. I think the best they can do is get the two seed and then maybe hope that the number one seed gets knocked off in the divisional round, and then New England gets a home game for the championship game. Again, I'm going to say this. Until I see the Patriots lose in the playoffs, I'm not going to count them out. Um, in in my opinion, that's how it works. I will believe in the Patriots. I will believe in the Patriots until they are fully gone. And And that's just because I respect Belichick, I respect Brady um, too much to say, well, the you know it's to say, well, they they're they're not going to be able to do it from from the wild card. Although, if you go in the history of of this era of the Patriots, I, I I'm pretty sure I'm I'm not I'm not going to make this definitive statement, but I'm going to say. They don't go from the wild card round to the Super Bowl. It, it it may have happened, and I'm pretty sure the only time it happened was 2001. Right now, I, I actually they didn't because they played the NFC cha- AFC Championship game at home. So, um, so they they didn't do it that season. I'm pretty sure when they play in the wild card round, they do not make the Super Bowl. So it is very important for the Patriots to make to get that get that bye week and um and, and be able be able to avoid playing on Wild Card Sunday. When we look at when we look at the races, really, I mean, obviously the Chargers have clinched a playoff spot. They will be they will be either the one or the five seed. It's more interesting if they're the five seed than uh, because of the matchup with the Steelers. Um, it just creates an intriguing matchup because it's a revenge game. It's you know Philip Rivers had to have that that amazing comeback. So, but again, you you know a lot of people have been saying, oh look at this is proof that Philip Rivers can lead a team. If you look at the last two weeks, yeah, Phillip Rivers has done it in the fourth quarter, but you look at how they've gotten to the points where they've had to come back against the Chiefs. They had to come back against the Steelers. If, you know, coming back is very hard to do in January because one mistake, one, one, one bad bounce of the ball, and that's the you know that can turn turn the tide on the whole situation. So um, it'll be interesting. It'll be it'll be very it'll be very interesting to see how that that all winds up. I'm hoping that it's Steelers Chargers, um, you know, and obviously they cannot. The the Steelers are hoping the Patriots lose one of these last two games. I just don't see it happening. The Bills and the um, Bills and Jets. They get built. The Bills and the Jets both coming into Foxborough. Uh, it's going to be a tall tall order to to see the Patriots losing one of those to losing one of those games. 
Um, but that's what the Steelers would need. Um, the Steelers would need one of those games, Patriots to lose one of those games to move up to the three spot um, and avoid playing the uh, San Diego Chargers. All right. But, I mean, the more interesting race is in, is for the wild card, is for that last wild card spot. I believe each in each divi- in each conference, the divisions are wrapped up. You know, the divisions are, are are pretty much set. It's really trying to get that final playoff spot. The AFC is more uh, more tight and more uh, more contested because they have the four team. You know, they have four teams involved. Um, Miami needs a lot of help to get in, but it is it is possible for the Miami Dolphins to get in. It's not an impossible thing, but it is you know it, it is going to take a lot of work for the Miami Dolphins to get into the playoffs, and obviously the Colts and the Titans, um, Colts and Titans play each other that final game. Will that be a game that matters or well not? That will all come down to the Baltimore Ravens, who again play the Chargers. So a lot of playoff implications in that game, a lot of playoff implications in um a lot of a lot of it will change a lot of playoff scenarios should Baltimore lose that game and if if Indianapolis and Tennessee both win and the Ravens lose, the Ravens could be the ones on the outside looking in because you know the Colts and the and the Titans have to play each other that final one of those teams is going to win that final game. Um No, it's the NFL, so it could end in a tie, but even in a tie even in a tie, um, it would still it would still put the Ravens at a disadvantage. Um, so I don't know. It would be interesting. I I wonder what they would do if that game ended in a tie because it, you know it would just be the ultimate slap in the face. We've talked about the NFL. And their overtime policy, we've talked about it on this show, um, how stupid it is that they can allow games to end in ties. It would be interesting if they had the biggest game of the year, Indianapolis-Tennessee, a game that decides a playoff spot, and then it ends in a tie. Like, that that would just be really deflating to the NFL through the NFL and its process, but that's that's the way it goes. So, all right. So we usually try to do this, and we try to um, we try to talk about enough stuff, uh, and then hope, we hope for a phone call. Uh, dur- hope for a phone call during the show. We didn't get any. Um, I guess. We're we're kind of waiting on things, so but we kind of talked everything that we wanted to talk about to death. Uh, I think I think we've we've beaten a dead horse enough. Um, 
But um, you know, the only other race that that is is really interesting is is the bottom is, is who's going for the number one pick. Is it going to be Oakland or is it going to be Arizona getting that number one pick um, in the draft this year? Um, I, uh, you know, I think Oakland, I think it will eventually be Oakland, but, uh, you know, both teams are 3 and 11. So we've got we've got a race for the number one pick. I really don't think it makes that big of a difference this year because of the way the draft class is. And we'll get into the draft class a little bit later in the, in the uh, season, probably more next week and weeks down the road as we get into more uh, interesting pl- uh, bowl games. Coming up, let's actually let's actually do that. We will. Um, well, that's how we'll end the show today. We'll uh, we'll go over we'll go over some of the bowl games that are coming up between this week and next week. And I'm just trying to think here. I believe next week is the day after Christmas. I believe it's the 26th that. I'll 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 check it right now. Here it comes. So it could be a good show uh, next week. That didn't work. All right. Um. I, I'm not I'm not looking at a calendar right now. I believe next week is the twenty sixth. Um, I don't believe that it's Christmas. We will be doing a show uh, next week. Um, if it does fall on Christmas, we'll figure it out and we'll post it to the Facebook page um, when our show when our show is going to be. I don't believe that it is. I believe next Wednesday is the 26th, so it'll probably if it is, that's when our show will be. But let's go through this. Actually, I can find out this way. Yep. Wednesday the 26th. So that will be a day of our show. We'll have, we'll actually, we'll have a game on during the show. Um, We have a couple bowl games that day. So let's talk about the bowl games that are coming up. Obviously, we mentioned the Frisco Bowl, which Ohio just added a field goal. Ohio just added a field goal to make it 20 to nothing, so that game is still going. Um, still going strong, still in the Ohio camp. All right, so tomorrow we got Marshall at South Florida in the Bad Boy Mowers, in the Bad Boy Mowers Bowl. No, that's not the Bad No, the Bad Boy Mowers Bowl is a different one. No, it is. In the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl, um, again, we, uh, we, we did, if you missed the show with Denise, when Denise told us which games are intriguing based on the name, that was one that stood out. 
because everybody wants to know what Bad Boy Mowers is all about. Uh, it's just a funny name for a company, and it's a funny name for a bowl game. But it's Marshall at South Florida in Tampa. It's interesting. The game is in Tampa, in South, in the home of USF. So um, that'll be one. I'm I'm watching that game to look at Blake Barnett and see what he does. Blake Barnett could be a, a sleeper pick in the NFL draft. He's a guy you want to pay attention to. Um, you got that. You got the one game going on Thursday. On Friday. We have Florida International and Toledo uh, early kickoff here on the East Coast, 12:30 because the game takes place in the Bahamas, in the Bahamas, in the Mark Makers Wanted Bahamas Bowl. Again, I, I don't know how those guys play in that game because uh, I would just be enjoying the Bahamas, but uh, you know that's probably the best bowl game to be in, especially for Toledo. At this time of year when it's like 30 degrees up here and, you know, they're down in the Bahamas. But that's Florida International. I really only watch Florida International because of the coach, Butch Davis. That's why I'm looking at that game. Uh, and then later on in the afternoon, we have 4 o'clock Eastern kickoff, Western Michigan at, uh, versus BYU in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. And, again, the reason to watch this game is because it's played in Idaho and it's played on the, the blue turf of Boise. Um, so I know I know, I know, know Denise is listening. Friday at 4 o'clock Eastern time, you get to see the blue field. I know she when we did our uh, full preview, she was interested in seeing the blue field. So uh, I, I wanted to point that out. Saturday. Saturday, we get our first really big day of bowl games. Um, it'll be an intro, you know, it'll start with Memphis and Wake Forest in the Jared uh, Birmingham Bowl. Um, let's just, the, the reason to watch this game is, as we said, best running back in college football, Daryl Henderson. Uh, check him out. Uh, against a Wake Forest defense that has given up a lot of yards on the ground, so should be interesting. Speaking of yards on the ground, the Armed Forces Bowl, Houston versus Houston versus Army. Army, you know, I mean, they they shocked people by throwing. I think they threw like seven or eight passes against Navy, which is crazy when you consider what Army was. And I said this on the bowl preview show. Army threw a grand total of 12 passes last year. So don't expect to see the ball aired out that much. Houston would be an interesting watch if Ed Oliver were playing, but he's not. So that's the end of that. Buffalo at Buffalo versus Troy in the Dollar General Bowl. Um, players to watch in this game, Tyree Jackson. I like... Uh, Guy you want to watch is Anthony Johnson, the wide receiver for Buffalo. Uh, the big guy could be an NFL type player uh, for Buffalo, so check that out. Uh, check him out in that game. And then we have the Hawaii Bowl, which is Hawaii versus Louisiana Tech. Um, 
guys to watch in this game, Cole McDonald, the Hawaii quarterback. They throw the ball a lot. Um, the same thing with uh, Louisiana Tech. So then we get a reprieve. Then we get kind of a, uh, you know, obviously Sunday and Monday with the uh, Sunday and Monday with the NFL. Now, we even have some NFL on Saturday, but you know I'm going to be watching the bowl games. I might watch some of that San Diego. Uh, the Chargers game is on Saturday. I know that, so we'll watch some of that. But I'll mostly be watching the college football. Then we get so we get Sunday and Monday. Obviously, Monday night football is going to take take precedent over the college. So they don't have any bowl games there. And then Tuesday is Christmas. And then Wednesday, uh, before we get on, we'll, we'll come on at the same time, the 8 o'clock Eastern. Um, but we'll be keeping an eye on Boston College versus Boise State in the first responder bowl. I'm, uh, you know, that's going to be played at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Texas. Very, very very interesting game. I want to make sure I get this guy's name right. So let me click on him. Waiting for it to load up. AJ Dillon is the guy to watch in this game. AJ Dillon, running back for Boston College. He is the reason to watch this game. Um, he's probably the. I, 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 he's going to be at the top of of your running backs in the NFL draft. Um. You know, obviously you got Bryce Love and uh, probably a guy like a Damian Harris. Um, you know, a couple other guys that obviously Daryl Henderson, but AJ Dillon is the real deal. Brett Rippon, quarterback for Boise State, he's a guy to watch for for uh, the Boise State side. So it'll be a very interesting game to watch. Minnesota versus Georgia Tech in the Quick Lane Bowl. Um, reasons to watch the uh, reasons to watch that game. Paul Johnson's last game at Georgia Tech, which means it'll probably be the last time you see the triple option, which is why um, you know Minnesota. You won't see a lot of passing out of Georgia Tech. But you will see uh, you will see uh, PJ Fleck chop wood and get his team uh, going. They'll probably throw the ball a little bit, but you know Georgia Tech is just going to pound the pound the ground with uh, Taekwon Marshall and um, they they have uh, trying to think of the guy's name. I'm gonna pretty sure it's I'm pretty sure it's Taekwon it's Taekwon Marshall. I just want to make sure. Yep. Taquan Marshall obviously is the guy to watch there, the quarterback for Georgia Tech. They will tell you all you need to know about um, how that game is going to go. But there we go. And then at night, we'll be on, we'll be on the air. 
when this game kicks off, and then we'll be paying attention to it after. So that will be the the Cheese It Bowl, which really should sponsor this show because I eat Cheese Its during the show. They should really sponsor our show, and then maybe we go to the Cheese It Bowl out in uh, Chase Field in in Phoenix. Um, but it's Cal against TCU, a, sh- uh, a pair of disappointing teams. TCU was so good at the beginning of the year. Then they played Ohio State, then they fell off. Um, so it's kind of a uh, who can who does not have you know who can save their season pretty much between Cal and TCU. So that's the story there. All right, two minutes to go in the show. Oh, I thought I thought she would give me a countdown, but she didn't. So that's the bowl season. That's the bowl games up until next week. Then after next week, uh, on next week's show, we'll break down all the bowl games for we'll break down all the bowl games leading up to um, I said up to January first. Um, We'll uh, we'll lead you into the new year Uh, with two minutes left. We just want to say, since we're not going to be on the air until the day after, everyone out there listening, have a Merry Christmas. Enjoy your holiday. Enjoy your celebrations. Whatever you celebrate, however however you celebrate with your family, have have a wonderful uh, have a wonderful holiday. Have, have a great Christmas, and I hope you get everything you want. And when you come back next week, when you come back to us, come back, give us, uh, you know, give us all the love for the for the Christmas season. We we really we we wish everybody a, a very merry Christmas. Enjoy it. Um, Get ready for the big time bowl games coming up after after Christmas. We'll get you ready for it. We have playoff football this weekend um, with the NFL with games that matter that will change the way the playoffs are situated. And of course, you're always allowed to post on our Facebook page, Fit Down Sports. Um, follow us so you can comment on the show. Um, Follow us so you know what's going on because we'll explain everything on there. And we'll be back next week with more um, more analysis and, and every and everything to do with football. You know you know how we do it. So um, you guys have a good one. Enjoy the holiday. Enjoy all the football up until then. And we'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>